is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 207, operating on November 13th, 2023. This is Drew, an airline ops manager, and I'm here with my buddy Doug, an airline pilot. We're here to discuss aviation topics from an industry insider's perspective. Doug, you may have uh, heard I didn't say private pilot trainee because I don't feel comfortable saying that because I'm not back in it. I have one more commercial aviation thing that I'm going to do this week. And then (laughs) it's all going to be about general aviation, small airports, and the Cessna 172. So I hope people are ready. You're deep in commercial aviation this week. Tell me about your trip to Denver. Yeah, when we last talked, I was sitting in what you call the nondescript hotel room somewhere in the world, which happened to be exotic Denver. And it wasn't even like downtown Denver. It was out by the airport, Denver, for my in beautiful Aurora, Colorado. It, yes. Yeah. Well, actually, I think it still is technically Denver proper, but it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's close to Aurora. Finished my sim late. I don't even know what day it was. Saturday night, I think. Yeah. And then f- that was that was fine. Check ride went well. But then Sunday, I had a lot of fun on the trip home. We talked about the boring, I think we called it the boring 737 <laughs> that I was on on Friday heading out there. Heading home, Drew, Denver is growing like crazy. They've added a lot of new gates, a lot of new space in Denver. Every all, all airlines, with the exception of one, which we're going to talk about later here. Yes. Most airlines are actually growing their footprint in Denver as Denver actually expands its gate space by, I think it's 30% over what it was when the airport first opened. Isn't Frontier uh, busting out? Ago. Frontier's busting, just busting out with some ground level boarding gates or something like that? They are. They can't wait yeah, for a and, terminal. And- There's... Adding gates. Yeah, and, and there are actually plans in place now. We, we haven't talked about this, but you and I sent the news article back and forth with several people. There are plans to add up to 100 new gates and four new terminals in Denver in the next 15, 20 years. Denver could, and, and the plan is to have upwards of 180 million passengers fly through Denver every single year. That would put Atlanta to shame. That would be mm-hmm. the world's biggest airport if they go through with it. Anyways, current Denver, they've added new gates, new clubs. Our airline just reopened one of our clubs that had been closed since right around the time the COVID hit. Yeah. Gorgeous. Uh, three level. Well, actually, t- the club is two levels, but you you go up an escalator to get there. Gorgeous club. Awesome recliner lounge chair that I was sitting in for a couple of hours. Great view of the tarmac, all, all the airplanes taxiing by. The food was on par with a Centurion Lounge or a, a business class type lounge. The food was fantastic. Our airline did a great job. They also opened a new club in the A terminal. Very nice too, except for uh, I don't think it was designed by an AvGeek. I sent mm. you the pictures of the frosted windows right. that were set back about 10 feet from the actual side of the terminal. If, if you're flying our airline, you go to the A Club, you're not going to see airplanes. Go to the B Club <laughs> instead. But the, uh, what is it, the Capital One Lounge? Yes, that's uh, about to open, Capital right? One. Or that's open? It, it, it actually did open, and I accidentally went up the escalator to that, loun- to that mm-hmm. lounge instead of our club on the A, because that club was not well marked. And I just, I happened to see an escalator with a club upstairs, so I went up there. What I saw inside as I was getting turned around and sent back out by the staff looked great. Yeah. So Denver, well done. You've got three brand new clubs right now. 
And then I got to ours and it was Walmart, but still <laughs> Denver is really growing. It, it was so much fun to spend. I, I texted you cause I had like six hours between when I woke up and when my flight was. And I said, how early is too early to just go hang out at the airport? I think you, I think you said five hours. I think, yeah, I think I got there about five hours prior, which is great. <laughs> and then, it, and then instead of flying home on a 737-900, I flew mm-hmm. home on a 787-9 in business class. It was a great way to cap off a somewhat stressful check ride event. You got to make the most of it. You're, you're only flying from Denver to Sacramento. So why not make it feel like some event with the clubs and the 787 and a glass of pre-boring I wasn't flying to champagne. Sacramento, though. Oh, you're flying to Sacramento. Oh, yeah. What, what am I thinking? Yeah. The only, yeah, and the only <laughs> the only reason that I did that was because of the seven eight seven. If not, if if there wasn't a wide body between Denver and San Francisco that day, I would have just flown out of Sacramento instead. But because there was the wide body, I I took the extra time to drive all the way down to San Francisco as opposed to the easy airport, which is twenty five minutes from my house. Yeah, you know, Doug and I get really excited about the the clubs because that is air travel improving. Probably next month we are going to have someone on who the title of the book is "Why Are Airlines So Miserable." We haven't read it yet, but it's uh, "Why Is Air Travel So Miserable?" or something to that effect. We still have to read it. You know, we we're seeing kind of the opposite. We're seeing air travel improving. These clubs are better than the clubs have ever been. You know, in in our lifetime for airline clubs, and we have a tendency to. Uh, name the clubs that we have an affinity with so <laughs> the first one like i from the pit i think we both agreed it's like all right we're calling it this so the first one has a lot of glass it's very streamlined it's very ikea looking and what do we call that one that's the uh is that the a club yeah i called it the loft i named it the loft <laughs> because it's got this very cement lofty exposed brick type mm-hmm. vibe to it and it it really was a loft i took a picture of the stairs like the cement stairs that go down to the the lower bar area yeah. downstairs and drew was like hey what do we call this one i said uh the loft the loft <laughs> it's a no-brainer <laughs> i think i mentioned ikea but it's much nicer than an ikea and then the other one it has like wooden um roof lines and it has mm. beams and it has decorative wood by a fireplace and obviously, you know, you're in Denver with mountains and snow. So I was like, okay, let's call this the chalet. And then you went further into Switzerland, which we're going to talk about later. So I don't know. That <laughs> seems like the theme that you called it the uh, the Matterhorn. I don't know. The Matterhorn. I mean, I'm laughing, so I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the loft and the Matterhorn. <laughs> and in San Francisco, we have the plantation and the Captain Cook. You know, we might get in trouble by the company for like giving these names. Just you know, they spend millions of dollars on this marketing, and we're calling it the Matterhorn and the Captain Cook. We have to, though, because Cathay Pacific names theirs, and other airlines name their lounges specifically. They don't just call it the E3 Club or the E10 Lounge. They actually put a name to it, not just the location of the club. That's something I think our airlines should do, which is what we've started to do, and we're just going to keep calling it that. Right. And if anyone from the company is listening, you can take those names that we just provided. Give us a couple of positive space passes for us and our significant (laughs) others, right? I mean, no money. It's free. So you could do that. And speaking of significant others, you have a huge honey-do list that you're trying to get accomplished in four days. And your, your list is so long, it's stressing me out. This is the opposite of one perfect day. We made one perfect day in Hong Kong. This is 
a month's worth of uh, checklist items in four days. I call this Doug's one jacked up week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even But you got most of it days. done. And I you did. got Christmas two, lights. It was two days right now. And then I, I leave for Auckland tonight. I get back, I think, Saturday morning. And then I leave for somewhere next uh, couple days after I get back. It's It's one of those just really tough seasons right now with Thanksgiving coming up with family, personal travel that we're doing later in the month with the holidays into December. And yeah, Drew, you were giving me grief for putting up the Christmas lights yesterday. That's because it was 70 degrees. It was beautiful weather. And that was literally the celebrated only Halloween. <laughs> that is literally the only chance that I'm going to have to get them up before mid-December. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be turned on until after Thanksgiving. Don't worry, I'm not that crazy person. <laughs> but I I was like, I the weather is nice. I have this opportunity. If we are going to get them up before like December 15th, mm. today is the day that I have to do it. I'm not a go as much of a go-getter as Doug. What we did was we went to Costco. We bought some string lights that will never be taken down. But you can change the color. <laughs> you can change the color. Fourth of July, we can make them red, white, and blue. Christmas, it's going to be red and green. Some people probably, wow, they are so productive. Every season, they have new lights. We have pink for the cherry blossom. <laughs> orange orange for, Thanksgiving, for Halloween. For Halloween. Yeah, we got it all. And then just generic, if we're having friends over, it'll just be the, the the white string lights. Well, I mentioned 70 degrees while I was putting up the lights. You could have put up your lights or put up additional lights, too, because the weather out by you has been fantastic. Oh, beautiful. It was 70 degrees. Tomorrow it's going to be 70. The whole week is going to be nice. We're going to get some rain. But this is the calm before the storm. I mean, we usually get our winter weather our significant winter weather here in January and February. So I'm making my plans to go to Sri Lanka during that time for sure, because this is El Nino. This is an El Nino season. And, you know, without going through a whole episode of what El Nino is, El Nino means it's going to be more moisture. There's going to be more precipitation around the country. Temperatures are also going to be higher. So what that means is we'll get more precipitation. What will it be? That That's yet to be seen. It could be a lot of snow. It could be a lot of ice because we're right on that cusp. And it's about the same for New York. The Midwest probably get less snow than they normally do because it's 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 um, significantly warmer than it is on a normal year, and for the for California too. Speaking of seventy degree weather, so in seventy degree weather, I'm we're doing a uh, winter ops class. So that's why <laughs> you know I texted you out of there because I was in a room going through our ops plan. But you know, along with the winter ops and summer ops. I have some other propaganda that I that I slide in there that I think people need to know. We have a lot of new people. And Doug, this is a tangent, but you know, you would think people in aviation know how the runways are named, but they're not. This wasn't even on the on the agenda, but I was explaining to them runway one right at a zero, it's ten degrees, so it's almost due north. Three six zero would be due north, or zero degrees right would be due north. This is ten degrees. One of the runways we have. They're like, well, why is why is it one nine? Why is it nineteen the other way? Shouldn't it just be one? It's the same runway. Then you have to explain to them that the opposite direction is heading south, one hundred eighty degrees. It's runway one nine because it's one nine zero. And then we also have to do. 
your Ugh. coworkers are sitting there thinking, just please stop talking. Yeah, please Make stop. him stop. I need to get back to work. I don't care about the <laughs> runway orientation. <laughs> no, but they appreciate it. I mean, we have one, uh, someone who's been with the company forever who has never, no one has ever explained this to her. And she's like, okay, I want you to explain this to me like I'm in fifth grade so I can understand this. And then we also went through the taxiways which are specific to each airport. But it was good because, you know, even as a new zone manager, zone controller years ago, when my boss would be like, hey, you, what, what's that? What's your plane doing on, tax, on, on Yankee? I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, we can't assume that everyone knows what all the taxiways are. It was fun. It was kind of an eye-opening experience. And a lot of them said, you know, it would be nice. Can we go out to the airfield? Like drive around the taxiways and uh, taxi lanes, and you can show us, you know, what we talked about in here. So we're definitely going going to do that. Doug, last week you reminded us that we forecast that air travel would recover faster than most industry groups, such as IATA, predicted. Asia, namely China, has air traffic numbers exceeding pre-COVID levels, and that kind of fills in the gap because everyone was everyone's numbers were rising in Europe, the U.S. Finally, now we have the numbers rising in Asia and China. Drew, you can call us next trip Adamus. I think that's something that we've mentioned in the past with predictions that we've been correct on. We had another prediction that almost came true, and this was a merger between JetBlue, Alaska, and Hawaiian that could have possibly happened. It would have been the best chance at competing with the big four U.S. carriers, United, American, Delta, and Southwest. We talked about this on our decade prediction episode three and almost four years ago now. We mentioned we could see a tie-up between JetBlue, Alaska, and Hawaiian. This week, we learned that the idea was actually in the works, at least in the corporate offices of JetBlue, dealing with Alaska. Hawaiian was out of the picture, but there was a possibility of a tie-up between JetBlue and Alaska, and that's coming to light right now in this litigation, in this trial, trying to see if the Spirit JetBlue merger is going to go through. Before this, we did have rumors. I remember either you, I told you or you told me there was a pilot on some flight. I think it was an Alaska Airlines pilot that mentioned that this was in the works. And I, and I, I remember one of us said, I knew it, but it, mm-hmm. it wasn't confirmed. And now we have confirmation that we're, they were indeed talking about it. Right now, JetBlue is in the process of fighting the Department of Justice to get their merger with Spirit done. But apparently they had their eyes on Alaska. The points guy was the first to report this. They reported that a slide in the in a presentation shown in court as testimony alleged that at one point JetBlue CEO Robin Hayes said that quote Spirit is the is the next natural step in our long term goal to pursue Alaska Airlines. <laughs> so they're saying that. Hayes seemingly tried to downplay the pursuit of Alaska by saying that they were looking at mergers with several carriers in the 2010s. Indeed, they were going after Virgin USA, but lost out to Alaska, who came in with a larger offer. So yeah, Alaska was in their sights. Well, this was based on a slide, but then this week in court, Hayes insisted, quote, it's a very tall order to compete with them. He means the big four. Hayes said in court on November 6th, He continued, the top four airlines account for about 80% of U.S. ticket revenue. We've spent 20 years now carving out just 5% of the market. He also said that acquiring smaller airlines is the only way for JetBlue to grow and that they would, quote, never, ever get to the size they are based on organic growth, unquote. This is really interesting developments. I read today this trial is not going to be over quickly. They think it's going to go into early December before we finally find out whether JetBlue and Spirit tie up. I'm going to go ahead, though, and double down on my prediction. I still think that Alaska and Hawaiian, by the end of the decade, are going to end up as one airline. I I think that they are going to have to. And would JetBlue be allowed to join this mix? I know we've been talking about it. We still would have five major airlines, plus Frontier, 
mm-hmm. plus Allegiant, plus Breeze, plus Avello, there still is plenty of competition. Well, the DOJ is concerned about a major low fare carrier going away. The people who are looking for the lowest cost tickets, they're the ones most harmed by this merger, right? So there's going to be less $39 tickets, less of those. You have to fly at 6 a.m. on a Wednesday from a D.C. to Vegas, less of those. This would become more of a network carrier. And our thoughts are it would be good because the network carriers could possibly use some more competition because there's only four. There used to be 12 in the mm-hmm. early 2000s. Well, and this helps Breeze and Avello as well. This helps Breeze yep. and Avello because they are in that same market space as Spirit. This would help Breeze and Avello grow substantially, be able to take that market share that Spirit is voiding, I guess you could say, in that ultra-low-cost space in the market. Right. So if the DOJ is concerned about conserving a low-cost carrier, maybe this is, you know, maybe this is reeled back and and JetBlue says, okay, you're not, you don't want us to merge with Spirit. How about we merge with Alaska and then we can give the major carriers, the network carriers, better competition. And you still have that low fare airline back, Spirit, as well as Frontier. I don't know if, if that is in their thought process, if this becomes too difficult. And the, that, the DOJ might actually back, be... Thinking back on it, that might have been what that Alaska pilot said, was that his... I, I don't know if it's from the company or his thoughts, but basically it was like JetBlue trying to merge with Spirit was just a play to get to Alaska. That they may not ultimately end up with Spirit, but it's just a, a path to be like, okay, like you said, you won't let us merge with Spirit. How about Alaska? How about Alaska? But then Alaska would have to be agreeable to that too. And I think they might be if they were, but it seems like Alaska has a control issue. So they're the ones who bought Virgin. So I don't know. There would be like a power struggle between those two because it seems like Alaska wants to be the one who is the controlling Hostile takeover. Entity. It's Host- happened. It's happened before. I do have a concern. I, I mean, I, we, we both agree on this. I have a real problem with your, your idea of a name for a merged Hawaiian <laughs> Hawaiian and Alaska. What what did you do you even remember what you put out there that cuz we were thinking what would they be called? Yeah, I called it Transpaclantic. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a disease. It sounds like pancreatic, <laughs> air pancreatic. Transpaclantic trans because they they're very uh, Hawaiian is very strong in the Pacific. A merged airline, Hawaiian is getting 787s, they already have A330s. Alaska is based in Seattle. They have a big presence in Portland. You yeah. know that they would be interested in launching European service. Now they have Pacific and European service. How do they tie those Combine two that. together? The the pack part, the Pacific part, <laughs> still ties in that that Hawaiian legacy. But trans trans Pacific or trans Atlantic, that just sounds glorious. <laughs> no, like, no, it does not. Like Pan American. It sounds like I'm the company that makes the plastic models, Pac Mini, Trans Atlantic. <laughs> I think it should be something that's Pacific. Definitely should have Pacific, right? Because Alaska is on the West Coast mostly. They're West Coast based. And Hawaiian, of, of course, is in the Pacific. So call it Pacific, Nor- North Pacific. Or actually, actually that already No, you can't exists. say that. <laughs> you can't there. say that. <laughs> <laughs> call it, uh, <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought. Pacific. No, hold on. Pacific I, I blue. had it. What, what about Pacific Blue? Well, no, it's not JetBlue yet. It's just Hawaiian and Alaska. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wasn't even saying the blue because of JetBlue. But if you call it Pacific, oh, that's what it was. Call it Pacific natural. Call it Pacific. Pacific. No, call it. You can call it Pacific Airways. You know, that's there. You go, Pacific Airways. I was going to. I was going to say Pacific Northwest, 
but Pacific Airways. I think that covers it. Or, or you could just call it Northwest Orient. They have similar routes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get any any uh, marketing dollars for that whole waste of time. <laughs> but, you know, Tyler from the Non-Rev Lounge raised a really good point. Hawaiian Airlines has a lot of pride. It, it, it is basically the national carrier, if you if you would, <laughs> if you will, mm-hmm. of Hawaii. You know, they, they symbolize Hawaii with the, the Hawaiian girl on the tail and everything. So if they merged, that would be very difficult for Hawaiian and maybe even Alaska to give up, give up those strong images that they both have. What, what would delivery look like? Yeah, that's a great question because you've got Chester, the Eskimo, which is perfect in Anchorage. But if you think about it, Alaska also flies to Mexico. They fly to other places in Central America. So seeing an Eskimo on on the ramp in Cancun doesn't really play it play into what the airline really started as. I don't know what you could do is like some airlines Hawaiian service, service to and from Hawaii from the mainland or service within Hawaii, the flight attendants could still wear their Hawaiian shirts and lays, even if it's not branded on the outside of the airplane, you could step on the airplane and you could still get that tropical feeling. There's Mm -hmm. a very easy way that you can brand it, even if the outside of the airplane doesn't look that way. Well, I say they do um, have the look of Alaska, right? Have the colors of Alaska, the type style, all that of Alaska, the blues and the greens. But on the tail, change Chester to Alea Moana, or we, I forgot her name, but we, you know, we did a whole thing mm-hmm. on it. I think that would work because you'd have it'll look like work. Alaska, but it has that Hawaiian symbol. I think we've looked into it farther than probably they have. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on before we lose anyone. <laughs> All right, so Doug, while JetBlue and other passenger airlines are looking to grow their companies, not so much for cargo airlines who are seeing downturns in traffic post COVID. One carrier is flat out telling its pilots, go work for someone else. (laughs) FedEx is telling its pilots to move to regional carrier PSA Airlines, which is owned by American, as direct entry captains. So telling them to go with, they don't have to start as a first officer. They'd immediately become a captain. At PSA, they would have the ability to transition to American Airlines eventually. PSA is even offering new pilots a $250,000 signing bonus. What a time to be a pilot. You picked a great time. I know, you know, it's a long wait, but what your timing is excellent. Flight Global reports uh, VP of Flight Operations Pat Demento tells pilots, air cargo demand remains down with decreased revenues and volume similar to 2019. The low demand is not unique to FedEx, but is an industry-wide issue impacting the major cargo carriers. This year, FedEx pilots represented by Alpa rejected a new contract that would have given them 30% raises. They're probably thinking they should have taken that. But no, right? they're still not. They're still not there. No, it, it was, it, it, we've talked about these contracts and it's 30% over X number of years, but it's mm. all of the work concessions that come with that pay mm. that the pilots just didn't like it. They rejected it pretty resoundingly. Yeah. But usually pilots are getting raises because they're in demand and right now they're not in demand. So they may not get anything. I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but why would you get a raise if they're trying to tell, if they're telling pilots, we don't need you. According to Freightwaves, air cargo volumes have fallen 8% year on year since the first quarter of 2022, while cargo rates have slumped 40 to 50% for most of this year compared to 2022. That's huge. Can you imagine if the airlines lost 40 to 50% of their revenue? A decline in ocean freight rates, and we've talked about this, Doug, 
passenger airlines carrying more cargo thanks to flight resumptions. These are hitting cargo airlines' profits. Additionally, Doug, over at UPS, nearly 200 pilots between the ages of 55 and 65 took a voluntary early retirement package to leave the company. UPS announced that they were overstaffed and that possible pilot furloughs were on the horizon if not a, if not enough people accept the buyout. This is really interesting. And I, the pilot group, like several pilot groups that I'm part of that are lots of different airlines all together. This was not met with a lot of enthusiasm or excitement. It was met with a lot of WTF. What is going on in this industry right now? And some jokes were made about like, oh, I didn't have this on my 2023 bingo sheet and things of that nature. And and there, there are people at FedEx, pilots of FedEx right now, who started their career at PSA. And now the company, FedEx and UPS always used to be that top dog, that place that a lot of pilots, most pilots wanted to end up at. And we've actually had people leave our company and other majors to go to FedEx and Mm -hmm. go to UPS. I have friends who have done that, who ended up at UPS and and FedEx after being at one of the majors, one of the four other majors. And now they're struggling. And now their company has this deal with a regional carrier to go be a direct entry captain with a flow program to eventually end up at American Airlines. The flow program is five years. If you take this deal, you are stuck at PSA for five years. You cannot go to American. It's not to say that you can't apply at United, Southwest, or Delta and leave after those two years. But if you leave after or before you hit the term of your contract, you have to pay back that bonus. So the only way to really get that bonus is to stay on for the length of the contract. I don't think that they're going to get a lot of takers, at least from FedEx. This is kind of a slap in the face, especially when our airline and all the other majors are still hiring right now. If people really want to leave FedEx, they're just going to get hired directly to one of the majors. Yes, they'll be in the right seat. They won't be a a captain. They'll be a first officer. But that makes more sense for those people. Now, this UPS thing, this I I didn't know that UPS was reached out or was contacted by PSA as well until today. Right. Same thing. UPS had almost 200 pilots who took a buyout. To me, this is interesting. If you took early retirement from UPS, meaning you still get your pension, you still get your 401k, you still get all the benefits that are associated with retiring from UPS, and you still have some good work years left in Mm -hmm. you and don't want to hang them up, you Mm -hmm. could possibly take the $250,000. The buyout was $350,000 cash plus Mm. all of their benefits. These these wow. 193 pilots who took it, so they keep now their all benefits. Of a sudden, now all of a sudden, you could go to PSA for 250. That's a 600 thousand dollar cash package yeah. to leave you to leave UPS. And I didn't realize this: the UPS pilots were offered from PSA not just to go left seat as a captain, but they would keep their highest level seniority, meaning they would go to PSA as if they'd been oh, at PSA wow. for however many scratch. years. For retirement purposes, mm-hmm. for vacation purposes, for benefits purposes, someone who's 57, 60 years old, who still wants to mm-hmm. fly for five years, mm-hmm. this may not be the worst thing in the world, and they're going to get a lot of cash for doing well, it. Well, th- I would this just is- forget about the flow through to American. If they're 55 or 60, they only have about five to 10 years of flying left. So just stay with a regional and have fun flying a CRJ 900 or whatever for a while. And then get yeah. that two hundred and fifty thousand, and I'm pretty probably get a good salary on top of that too. This just goes to show, though, how the regional, how badly the regionals are hurting right now for people. 
And right. we, we have another story coming up talking about that a little bit. I didn't really know that UPS was having a similar issue with pilots, an overstaffing of pilots like FedEx was. They said, Doug, with these 200, they actually got 25 more than they needed. FedEx is apparently looking for 700 people to leave. So they're cutting much further. Both of these carriers are sadly retiring the MD-11. That's going to go away. So there, there's a lot less pilots needed. So our buddy Francis in upstate New York, airport ops supervisor, he has a, a, a good friend at UPS who took the buyout. His friend said, I took the buyout. You won't see me at a regional. Flight attendants, TSA, passengers, and airport food with like a, a vomit face uh, emoji. <laughs> so the, I mean, that's a breed, that's a different breed of pilot. You actually enjoy the airport environment and yeah. these guys and girls, they just want to want the peaceful life of a cargo pilot without all the, all the additional security and all the, the stuff that goes with um, flying passengers. Cargo airlines aren't immune to a softening economy, and there are some passenger airlines that aren't immune to it either, with signs of airlines rolling back service in specific markets. Spirit Airlines said that they are going to vacate Denver beginning on January 9th of next year after 10 years of flying to the Mile High Airport. The carrier's traffic at Denver was already reduced 30% this year. Spirit is working to reduce the bleeding after it reported a $157.6 million loss in the third quarter, while network carriers reported profits. You put a map in here of all the destinations that Spirit it's flies to out of Denver. It's pretty wide-ranging. It is very wide-ranging. It's from California to Florida to mm-hmm. Baltimore and some places in the Midwest and Deep South. It, mm-hmm. It's quite, quite a wide-ranging network that they have in Denver right now. This is going to be really interesting going forward. Could this be a play to the DOJ, because they announced it during the trial, that mm-hmm. they, they can tell the Department of Justice, hey, look, we're leaving Denver. We're, we're doing everything that we can to reduce any sort of overlap with JetBlue. To we're get divesting. The, we're divesting, divesting Denver. To get the DOT to agree to the merger. <laughs> that That's interesting. And we just talked about how Denver is growing, and it has the, the square footage and the acreage, if you will, to grow. And here we have an airline that is saying they can't make it in Denver, that it's not profitable for them. They're saying the economy is softening, which we've seen signs of. It hasn't really happened yet. And when it does happen, what is that going to mean for Spirit, right, if they're already losing $157 million. So I think they're p- preparing for that as well as the merger. Uh, Doug, we're used to hearing about Austin being a hot market, but things are changing as we're seeing a downturn in the IT industry. American Airlines is dropping 21 out of 42 Austin routes in early 2024. I did not even know that they had 42 routes out of Austin. I it's didn't like either. A I knew they, hub. Yeah, I knew they had a Sacramento route because I've seen the airplane at the gate from time to time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, maybe they didn't really advertise outside of Austin and yeah. it really wasn't a big deal to to passengers outside of the Austin market. I'm sure they probably advertised a lot in Austin. I, I knew that they were building up some of these point-to-point, but like you said, I didn't realize it was 42 routes. Yeah, Doug, in the 90s, working at Reno Air, we used to work alongside American. American used to have this Fokker 100, or maybe it was an MD-80. It wasn't anything big. And it, it was one flight a day. It would go from San Jose, California to Austin. Austin was nothing like it is today. And it was just this weird Austin this tiny city in Texas, and they, they used to call it the Nerd Bird because mm-hmm. it was from Silicon Valley to this burgeoning tech, IT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Some of the cities that are losing American service to Austin are Cincinnati, Kansas City, Memphis, Tampa, Washington, Dulles. International flights to Mexican resorts Cozumel and Puerto Vallarta will also be discontinued. This news comes after Virgin Atlantic announced in late October that it will pull its nonstop route to London 
that began in 2022. I know Lufthansa, I believe. Wait, no, I don't think Lufthansa flies to Austin. I don't know. I have to check. I know British, yeah, British Airways does. Brit- British Airways does daily. And I read that they're going less than daily, at least over the winter to Austin. And we talked about this a few years ago when I was in Austin, how I was just amazed at all the wide bodies that I saw when I was there. And now they're starting to pull back. American is starting to pull back. A lot of American pulling back, though. Most of these routes were flown by one of their regional partners. And we've talked about how the regionals are really struggling to keep their pilots. I think that this, yes, Austin is seeing a little bit of a downturn. And I think I read that housing in Austin has fallen more year over year than any other major city in the US. Mm -hmm. That definitely has something to do with it. But a lot of this has, a lot of this probably deals with, as I said, the regional pilot shortage. But also, American is losing their Northeast Alliance, or has lost the Northeast Alliance with JetBlue, which means they need to build back up in the Northeast, specifically JFK and LaGuardia. Oh, that's right. I, yeah, I if they lose JetBlue. They can, they can take these airplanes and what pilots that there are to fly these airplanes and try and rebuild up some of their own connections on their own network in the Northeast now that they don't have the feed from JetBlue. And mm-hmm. if Austin was struggling a little bit, this seems like the, the first place to start to be able to reshift some of their resources elsewhere. Let's finish the news with some good news. This has been a little bit of a downer of a week on the the news front. United Airlines is bracing for a record-breaking Thanksgiving travel period, and it's the first U.S. airline to release its holiday season forecast. We'll probably talk about other forecasts here in the next week or so. The airline says it'll carry 5% more passengers this Thanksgiving holiday, which is a record for the airline. United expects to carry 5.9 million people over an 11-day holiday travel period, which is a longer time frame for the holiday than usual. United expects the Sunday after Thanksgiving to be the busiest. They're talking about Thanksgiving. United also is um, saying that the, the Florida market will have 20% more flights this winter than before, and definitely the European market. Drew, I know we've talked about this extensively about how big data and technology now allows airlines to pivot like this, like United saying that they're going to increase to Florida by 20% over the winter. We're, all, we're in the IATA winter season already, the winter schedule. And right. United is just now saying that we're going to plus up and beef up our Florida service in the next couple of months. Prior to the internet, prior to large Excel spreadsheets, prior to all of this, the airlines would set their schedule months in advance and they wouldn't touch them. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened, happened. And, and that's part of the reason why, even in softening economies, and go back to what Doug Parker at American said pre-COVID that everyone laughed at, but when he said American Airlines will never, the airline industry will never lose money again. Everyone said, why would you say that? But I can, like, from a business mind, a little bit, I can see where he's coming from, because he's saying, if we're losing money in places like Austin, guess what? We can just shift the resources, we can mm. pivot, we can go elsewhere. That 20 years ago, 25 years ago, before 9-11, the airlines mm-hmm. just were not built to to be able to move the ship that quickly, which they can now. Also, I think airlines are being a little bit more brave. You know, in the past, airlines would stick to the safe bets of Frankfurt, London, Paris, Honolulu. But there's so much traffic. How much money can you make if there's already, you know, 15 flights between New York and London, right? So now they're being more creative we have our the company has flights that they've launched to africa which are doing so well that some of them are some of the highest yielding highest yielding as far as revenue and no one would have thought routes to africa could make so much money but they are because there's no competition or there's not as much competition as there is to europe and san francisco to honolulu the company is starting like a route to to the philippines 
So we'll see how that'll do. But in the past, they would never even think of that because they would rather add an, an additional flight, a fourth flight from San Francisco to London, for example. They are thinking out of the box, and that's nice to see. All right, Doug, it's my turn to share some good news. Our contributor and buddy Martin, who works for a major Swiss airline, just got back from a trip to Nepal, and he writes, Nepal, what an amazing country. At least if you're into hiking and prefer to be outside of cities, the nature there is just astonishing, especially the further you move away from main roads, if you can call muddy, bumpy dirt roads that. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it was the second attempt to hike the Annapurna Circuit, which starts at an elevation of 2,490 feet and would have brought us all the way up to 17,770 feet. You cross so many climate zones, you start hiking through rice fields and end up seeing some of the highest mountains in the world. Truly spectacular. That does sound spectacular. Martin says that they made it as far as 11,500 feet, and then something truly spectacular happened there. He proposed to his girlfriend, Charlotte, who of course said yes. And I mean, who can say no to free flights, right? (laughs) Is what Martin said. (laughs) Easy answer. Congrats, Charlotte and Martin, and here's to years of spectacular trips around the world together. Nepal sounds amazing. And all the photos I've seen of it, it it looks absolutely incredible. Yeah. Congrats, Martin and Charlotte. Maybe not as spectacular as Martin's trip, but you and I have some fun, pleasure, and work trips today. (laughs) You're flying today, (laughs) and I'll be flying tomorrow. Where are you going? Tonight. What time is it right now? It's uh, 3.40 at uh, 11 o'clock tonight, I think. I leave for Auckland. As soon as we finish recording here, I'm going to get my uniform on and hop in the car and head to the airport. My bag's already in the car. I have never been to New Zealand. You have talked very highly oh, of it. One of our, our favorite company now flies daily, nonstop to Auckland. I've been trying to get this route since we restarted it, relaunched it earlier this year. I am so excited for it. Is it that it's not a daily flight, so you get to spend more than one day there? Because your it's, layover it, is longer, it, right? It is daily now. It wasn't daily over the winter. I, th- I think it was less than daily over the winter. It's daily, re- oh, I guess, over their winter, like during during our Northern Hemisphere summer. Right mm-hmm. now, because it's summer down there, it is daily. I do have a little bit longer of a layover, though, just based on the time that we get in. We get in pretty early in the morning, and then we don't leave until mid-afternoon the following day. My plan right now is, as soon as we get in, do what I normally do, hit the ground running. I'm going to take a ferry over to an island that's about 40 minutes from Auckland and do some wine tasting and hiking over there. Apparently, <laughs> the, the, wineries, the wineries are awesome. They've got great yeah. views of Auckland. So I can't wait. I've never been to New Zealand, never been to Auckland. I'm really excited for this. They are known for their Sauvignon Blancs. So when I'm out with Robbie and we're ordering fish, it's like, oh, there's a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Try that. Someone from New Zealand is is going to tell us, is going to correct us and be like, no, we're famous for all these wines, not just that singular focus. You're going to have, uh, I have never been to the North Island and that is, that is where Robbie and I want to go this next year. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some tips. You can give us a preview. Right now, I think I'm going to Geneva tomorrow. <laughs> oh, uh, so, I thought, what, what happened to Frankfurt? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and this Tyler always laughs when we when I say this, but it's like, our Frankfurt flight is full. You know, it's a good problem to have, ha, 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 which means I'm not getting on. <laughs> One of our contributors, Eric, who's in Seattle, who we met at LAX Dorkfest, will be joining us. Will be joining me, I'm sorry. The goal is to fly a 747-8. This is just on my two days off. I, I just have a travel bug. I got to go. I'm starting my private pilot training again, so I want to just get this out of my system and fly. go from a 747-8 to a Cessna 172. <laughs> 
in like <laughs> within a week. That's the goal. But going to Frankfurt, we're not going to get a nice seat. I want to get a business class seat. We can to Geneva. We're going to go. We were going to go to Frankfurt via Geneva. And the mission was going to be a three castle hike. It looks really fun. But it's going to be raining all week in Europe. So that wouldn't be that much fun. We're going to Geneva. We're going to stay in Geneva and go to... Have you heard of CERN? I have. That yeah. is where... And I got to make sure I pronounce... It's, that's where the, the Hadron Collider is. It's called the Large Hadron Collider, which is within CERN. It's underneath Geneva. It's this 16-mile ring, and they make protons collide with each other. And this is where they found the Hobson, the Higgins boson. They don't even know what exactly it is. Some people call it a particle. Some people call it a field. But this may be what holds everything in the universe together, Doug. I'll talk more about it tomorrow because I'm going to go there and I'm going to be so smart from the field trip that we're taking to, to, to <laughs> this see is gonna this. going to be like, like you and Ian at Skunk Works where you just wander yeah. into some highly sensitive, highly technical facility somewhere in the world and just be like, hey, can we get a t-shirt? Right. Can we get a t-shirt? Oh. No, dude, I, I'm going, I will be like Sheldon on the Big Bang Theory. I'm going to be like, a, you know, it's all going to be like so exciting. So I don't want to get this wrong because neither of us are scientists. And I will, Aaron, if you're listening, I'm going to read this directly from CERN so we don't get it right because I know something we say is not going to be. Yeah, the, the Higgs boson, boson, what is it? You and everything around you are made out of particles. But when the universe began, no particles had mass. They all spread around at the speed of light. If you can imagine, the Higgs boson is like a field that holds everything together. So when they made these protons and atoms collide, this is what they found. They found this material or field that is like the glue that keeps everything together. Wasn't this the one that they turned on for the first time about five or ten years ago and everyone or not everyone but there were some people who were worried that it could just end the world <laughs> well yes because people were thinking it could create a black hole they're trying to re recreate how the earth and the universe started <laughs> so if you're recreating those conditions does that mean we go back to zero does that mean that they're, they're, they will create a black hole so, no, they didn't. You know, they make these things collide, and they're finding all these new materials. And this was the big one, the Higgs boson. Some, sometimes they call it God's particle because it, it's in everything. Yeah, I will regale you for at least 10 minutes on the next show about all this stuff. But this thing, it's a ring. It's this underground pipe that goes around, and it, these, they send these things almost at the speed of light to collide with each other. And so far, so good. Geneva is still still there. I'm sorry to say you're not going to end up in Geneva. I guarantee I'll get pictures from you guys at the <laughs> Outburger in Los Angeles. In Los because Angeles. That's, that's our trusty go-to when we can't go anywhere else. It's like, oh, we right. can't get seats. Where are we going? We're going to LA. The mission, again, <laughs> is the 747-8 back to Washington. And I told Eric, we both, we both agreed, even if we get economy, we're going to take that flight. Because I actually think economy would be quite an experience on the 747-8 because in that cabin, you really, you really feel how big it is, right? Because the ceilings are high and the, it's wider than the upper deck and stuff like that. So get ready for a full uh, review. And Lufthansa, if you're listening, please route the retro 70s mm -hmm. looking plane yeah. on there. That will be awesome. 
All right, to our friends and contributors, this podcast is your show, so go on our website, nextrepnetwork.com, and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at Next Rep Podcast. Please tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. You can also call our Google Voice number, or ask a question, or just rant about something. The number is 872-529-5620 when calling from the U.S., Make sure to use the country code 001 or plus one when calling from abroad. To the airline industry, because we're recording early this week, please don't have any other breaking news between now and when this episode comes out, because it'll be a lot more work for us while we're both traveling. We might not be able to talk about it. Airline industry, here's to you. Thank you. And carry on. (laughs) Thanks to all of our friends and contributors for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. 